Hello and welcome to the very first um, video interview for HiddenHerStory.com um, and today I'm absolutely delighted to have a really special guest with me for my first show and it is historian and author Dr Cathy Hunt who has written about the lady behind me um, and you probably won't recognise her because she's not very well known outside of her kind of local area, which is the Midlands. Um, but I discovered her story um, last month and Cathy has written a book about Mary MacArthur. And today I'm going to, well, we're going to find out a lot more about uh, this amazing woman who really should be well better known. So welcome, Cathy. Thank you Thank for joining you. me. Um, I have to explain I have to explain to people, you are a, a labour historian with a special interest in women's work. Is that right? That's right. Yeah, that'll do. That'll do nicely. <laughs> and you, you've actually written three books. Um, the first, uh, you've written a book exploring the lives of women in Coventry because you're from the Midlands. Um, and that's between sort of 1850 and 1950. So that's... Um, you've done that one was that the first book you wrote or the second no no actually it wasn't the first book that I wrote was about Mary MacArthur's um trade union the National Federation of Women Workers so that was the first one and then I wrote the women's history it's the the women's lives of Coventry it's a book about everyday life it's about you know, the things that women encounter and it's about change but it's also about a continuity so it's not about you know the 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 famous and the well-known it's the complete opposite so that came and then the biography of Mary MacArthur came most recently that's who we're going to talk about today and as I said I, I discovered Mary's story on I, I went up on a visit I've got some friends who live up in the Midlands and <clears throat> we, we normally go and watch um, a play at the RSC but because the theatres were shut due to Covid and uh, my friends sort of elderly and has a mobility scooter so sort of getting around is difficult but he does like history um so I suggested oh let's go to the um Black Country Living Museum which I'd really wanted to go and visit and he was up for that so off we trundled for the day and as we were walking around there was the, there was a part that recreated one of the like the canal and the canal boats and there was a there's also lots of fabulous people dressed up who were really knowledgeable for people who haven't visited and there was a lady standing on a canal boat and I happen to like canal boats so I sort of went and had a look and we started chatting um, and we were talking about how hard women's work was on the canals back in the in the Victorian times and um, and beyond and I've sort of mentioned that I wrote a, a women's history blog and she said oh you've got to write about our Mary and I said, Mary who? And she said, oh, it's Mary MacArthur, she's our heroine. And of course I was hooked straight away. So I actually, um, I said to her, please, you know, could you tell me the story? Cause I'm really fascinated. And she proceeded to tell me what Mary had done for the women chain makers in Cradley Heath. And um, I promptly went home after the, after the, the visit. And the funny thing was, I thought, right, I'm, I'm going to look this all up on the internet. And, and the lady had said, there's a wonderful book, which um, we sell in our shop. And I couldn't find it in the shop. So that's how I came. I went online, typed in Mary MacArthur, and then your book popped up. And I realised I'd been following you for quite some time. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, oh, wow, I, you know, I, I knew your name. And I, I sort of, so I knew what you did. So I thought, right, and click, I bought the book. Um, 
and that's how I kind of that's how I got introduced to Mary because I'd really never heard of her um and I think you know that's 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 criminal really because the things that she did and what she did should really be you know much more widely known outside of the Midlands but we're going to talk about why that is in a little bit but I'm really interested how you discovered Mary um and how you came to tell her story well, I, I'd worked on, I'd been working on women and work and women and trade unions for some time. And actually the very first time I heard of Mary MacArthur, I was researching um, a very different union, a, a mixed sex general union, and um, who actually often were quite critical of the work of Mary MacArthur because they thought that she was uh, running a union that was middle class led and that it couldn't possibly relate to ordinary women's lives. And I suppose for a little while I thought, oh, maybe that maybe that's the case. Um, parked it for a little bit. But Mary MacArthur's name just kept coming as the more and more work I did on women and trade unionism. And I realised that I was finding out about a woman who was so charismatic, so dynamic, oh, kind of whirlwind, really, um, and somebody who everybody, all the workers did relate to, um, and that any criticism that I might have read about her um, actually just wasn't the case. This was a woman who got things done. Um, and so I suppose that's how I first came to know about her. And then I ended up writing about a, a history of the union that she that she founded in 1906 which was the first general trade union just for women and she founded it for women who the trade union movement had largely ignored really these were women who were amongst the worst paid workers in the country and often their work was very hidden and it was seen they were seen to be too difficult to organise to get into unions and they were kind of yeah, hidden from everybody. And Mary MacArthur's union made them, um, gave, tried to give those women better, better wages, better working conditions, changed the lives of thousands of women. So I wrote the, bio, I wrote the story of the union and all the time I was wanting to get nearer and nearer to Mary MacArthur herself, but I would get from the position of the members and where they lived and the work that they did and, you know, how the union impacted on their lives. So Mary kind of got obviously got mentioned because she's so, you know, such a incredible leader. But it wasn't until a good few years later that I was asked by History West Midlands, who, who've published this book, if I'd consider writing a biography of Mary MacArthur and um, yes was the answer I was absolutely <laughs> delighted to write and it was just such a fantastic project I loved writing it. So that kind of leads me into my first question because obviously as, a, as, a, as an academic you've written um, you know writing an academic book is, is quite different to approaching writing a biography of somebody. And I think um, if I can remember from the, from, from the book, it says in the, in the introduction of the book, it, it's more than just a study of her work. Um, it's a study of, of you know, her as a mother, her as a wife, her as a, yeah. a, as a woman. 
Um, and I don't think that 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 really comes across in the book, may I say, you know, the, the bits about what she actually did and achieved in her in her career were fantastic. And I enjoyed that bit. But I really enjoyed getting to know Mary, the woman. And you did a really good job of, you know, painting oh, fantastic because I now kind of have this 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 vision of her. And like you say, she got things done. She was for me, she came across as a, a very sort of forthright, honest person. She she was so passionate about what she was doing and why she was doing it. And like you say, I think, you know, she wasn't like this whirlwind. She seemed to travel all over the country, work, you know, how she how she found time to sleep and eat in between Indeed. working. And I, I, I think she, she really was a workaholic, but she thrived on it. But it also, I think, you know, maybe affected her health as well. Um, if you yes. can't work at yeah. that pace, she was, she was a, she was a tremendous workaholic. And I'd like to touch on maybe later on the bit about what you said about, you know, you were looking for criticism, um, and there were some people that actually didn't get on with Mary and didn't agree with her, and you know, and working with her because she was such a dynamic person might be difficult for some people so we're going to touch on that a little bit later um but um i was just interested in how you sort of went about researching the life of you know somebody to write about for a biography because i think the last biography was written in 1925 is that right that is right and yeah. that person um the, the, the biography by mary hamilton that was mm -hmm. written just four years or so after mary's death mm -hmm. Mary Hamilton, who knew Mary MacArthur and knew many of her contemporaries, had access to things that I didn't. Right. Um, access, it, you know, it, it certainly, um, you can see from the biography, she had access to letters and diaries that have long disappeared. And um, so that was, that, that was difficult because when you've got a biography that, you know, that, that, that is there and that's kind of guiding you through it. Mm -hmm. um, to then look for things that you, you know, in your own way is, mm -hmm. is do it in your own way is very challenging, but I absolutely loved it. But the thing I loved best, I mean, I used um, the TUC library in London mm -hmm. quite a lot and I got a lot of information, obviously, from writing the, the National Federation of Women Workers book previously. So I got those kind of, I got that kind of chronology of events that she was involved mm -hmm. in. To find out about Mary, um, I, I, I did really what Mary used to do, I suppose, and packed a suitcase and off I went. I, so, I loved that bit. I loved hearing about, um, you know, the, the, where you travelled. So uh, please tell oh, us a bit more uh, about that. I just loved it. I mean, I really think that if you're going to try to walk in somebody else's shoes, you have to actually physically do it. You do. You have to be there. You have to go and feel that person in the space that they worked and, and grew up in. You do. Too. You do. No matter how much the world has changed since, you can still kind of, there are still things that you can follow. So I went to Scotland where she was born in 1880 and I spent days tramp tramping around Glasgow I visited where she went to school where her where her fam her family ran um her father ran a draper's shop and I visited you know I I just kind of went everywhere and I spoke to people it not not really so much about about I, I told them what I was doing if they were interested you know why did you need to come in this shop and I and I just really enjoyed the fact that people were so enthusiastic about 
gosh, that's a really interesting story. Um, but apart from the walking and the doing, it was a combination of finding documents. I was really lucky to um, talk to Mary MacArthur's family, um, particularly um, in, well, her, her, her grandson, who mm-hmm. uh, met on numerous occasions, who has been an enormous help. Um, and it was really just pulling it all together, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I had, in order to find out who Mary was, that's how I had to do it. And I just did, like you say, you know, an academic work will tell you it's important because it will tell you things that, you know, that 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 I felt needed to be known about the significance of mm-hmm. the union. But all the time I'm wanting to know what, how did she tick? You know, what motivated her? Mm-hmm. Why did she do what she did? Why did she feel compelled to keep on, keep, you know, keep on with it when it must was clearly exhausting work? Um, and for a middle class woman, did she have to do it? No, possibly not. She made choices. But, you know, thank goodness for us women 100 years on that she did make those choices. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, I, in my day job, I do, I, I do this blogging and all the history stuff and writing in my spare time. But in my day job, I, I work part time in a baker's, you know, and I'm on minimum wage. But, it, you know, I thank Mary every day now because I think, you know, she, she did something towards that. And um, it kind of leads me into the next question as well, because when I was reading about her, family and her father owning a draper's shop um that was really interesting to me because my great great no my great grandmother uh and my great great grandfather he owned a draper's shop in London and my great my great grandmother who I actually met and very briefly when I was really young and she was a terrifying tiny little woman um, but she was a draper's apprentice and she grew up in the family business and then she had to go out and be apprenticed and live in a um, quite terrible sort of conditions really in a shop with 20 other girls sleeping in a large attic and they started work at six in the morning and their pay was like really dreadful and I think the idea was she'd go and get this apprenticeship and then go and work in her father's shop until such times as she got married and that was that so I found that reading about Mary um, starting work in her father's shop I immediately sort of felt this connection and thought yeah I kind of really understand that because I've done a lot of work I know what a draper's shop is and it sells kind of lots of little things they had lots of little um like cupboards behind them and the girls would work very hard in the shop but exactly. as a assistance and far you know the father would run the business but the girls would be doing all the hard work with the customers and you know whether you were the daughter or just a, an employee you know, if you got things wrong or you didn't treat the customer right your father would you know tell you off and you might yeah, yeah. so I found that really interesting um and what I found interesting about Mary is although you know she was the the boss's daughter um, she very quickly once she started work um, realized that you know she was on the side of the workers she she wasn't even though she was the boss's daughter she was already organizing and becoming involved in the union and I kind of wondered you know how her father might have felt about that um, and whether that sort of maybe caused any friction between them as she became more and more kind of you know politically aware and was fighting for the rights of the shop girls rather than the you know the managers um yeah did that cause any problems did you kind of find that when you were researching I I think 
Yeah, it, that's a really interesting question. Um, I think it did. Um, of course, in order to say that, I have to rely on the, the comments of people, you know, who were writing at the time, like yeah. Mary Hamilton and, 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 and one or two others who said that, yeah, her dad was a certainly conservative with a small C. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were a middle class family whose, whose social activities seemed to revolve apparently around what the Primrose League um, which was um, upheld, you know, conservative principles and and, and the empire and you know all, all these ideas. Um, so it it does appear that they were, on many levels, a very conventional middle class family, and this is perhaps not what anybody expected the eldest daughter to do. But things are never as they seem. We can never know what's going on in somebody else's life, and and I think that. Mr. and Mrs. MacArthur, the parents, um, encouraged their daughters, they had three daughters, to be independent, you know, independent of mind. Mm-hmm. Um, Mary and her, uh, at least one of her sisters had probably a more academic, academically focused education than many middle class girls did at that time. Um, they went to a school run by the Glasgow School Board, and it was it gave Mary a sound education and not just an education in learning how to be a young lady and, you know, how to, how to get a husband. This was a a decent education. And then after that, um, Mary went off to um, Germany for a year. Um, The trail runs completely cold. And apart from the, the early biography, I don't know what, she did there though there were a few hints from friends that she may have been learning the business her father had contacts and he was he ran quite a high-end drapers in Socky Hall Street in in Glasgow and then they moved to Air on the west coast so he would go and source things so he'd go abroad he had he had connections abroad he would go down to London so it's just possible that Mary went off and lived with a family when she came back um, she persuaded her dad that she was going to work in the business and she became a bookkeeper. But at the same time, she's also doing a bit of journalism because she loves to write. Mm-hmm. And whilst that's going on, the trade union and socialist movement in, in Scotland at that time is a very exciting scene. It's a very exciting place to be. Lots of big names coming out of Scotland, lots of socialist meetings and Mary met, um, Mary claims that she had a kind of rather dramatic conversion when she was asked by a, the newspaper that she was working with to go along and report on a trade union meeting. And it was a meeting of the shop assistants who were trying to organise women such as you were mentioning about your great grandmother. Um, and so Mary went along to the meeting and the guy who was running it, the organiser, was a chap called John Turner. And he said he spotted Mary as soon as she came into the room, that she was, everybody in the room was, was kind of, a, the other girls were around her. And he knew that if he could get her attention, he could get the attention of the meeting. Mm-hmm. Mary says, um, and she liked to, to, to use this story, that she went to the meeting um, to scoff and in her words, remained to pray. 
and had a complete conversion to the cause. Um, and it went from there, really. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, she she's in no time at all running a local branch of the union. She's going as delegate to various um, uh, conferences in Scotland and in England. And she had yeah, a quite meteoric rise, really, didn't she? Because like she really say, did. It all happened very she, quickly within you know, a very short period of time, they say the people there seem to like realize how good she was at what exactly. she did. And, exactly. And I think, and I think it was, you know, it's, this was not something that she'd learned. It this just was her natural personality, her like you say, her charisma, her passion, uh, you know, for, for for and being able to speak to people. She really um, did um, seem, yeah, to have mm, found her calling, if yeah, I can. And, yeah, and it, and it like a, like a, it, well, like you say, she had this epiphany moment that you know this is what I want to do. This is what I was yeah. born to to do. Um, yes. But that, as you say, it, it you know she she she's had this meteoric rise, um, and I think we touched on it earlier. As you say, you know she, she was she was a very dynamic person, and um, I think when I was reading. Um, about you know all the things that she she'd done. Obviously, yeah, she was having to be confrontational to people uh, a lot of the time, and um, it it sort of surprised me. Obviously, you 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 describe like some of the um, different descriptions of her by by people. I think there was one by President Roosevelt. She met. I mean, she did meet some really big people, didn't she? In her she career, did, yeah. um, but there were some that she didn't get on with. I think um, wasn't it? But um, um, was Emmeline Pankhurst? What was not her fan? I can't remember. There was a there was a bit in the oh, book. Sylvia, Sylvia, and Sylvia, Sylvia Pankhurst. That's it. Um, and and she, they, so they had some clashes. And I think you know. There were certainly some people that she didn't get on with, um, but like you say, you can't really criticise her um, because a lot of the time, if she was, I found reading the book, if she was sort of, um, if somebody came up with an idea and she thought it wouldn't work, she would tell them. And naturally, ninety nine percent of the time, she was right, wasn't she? Yes. Um, but it does. It, she, I, I just sort of imagined myself working with somebody like Mary and you know in the past I, I have um, and sometimes yeah those people can be absolutely wonderful but they can be difficult so um, it would be interesting I think to find to have your take on you know could you have worked alongside Mary and how would you have <laughs> found her as a person to work with and a work colleague? <laughs> well I think in the way that you know she um when she when she had converted to this cause and when she knew that Scotland was probably too small for her and that mm -hmm. you know London beckoned and that she was going to go and her family you know that that might have been the hints of a of a rift but I think they came to realize they 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 clearly did come to realize that there was no stopping this this woman and that she was good at what she at uh, at what she did and I think that that was how she came across in life that she was knowledgeable she didn't talk she never talked without knowing what mm. she was talking about she made it absolutely when she went down to London and she became the secretary of the women's trade union league which was in 1903 when she's only 23 years old um, which is kind of like a women's TUC she then is looking into conditions in various trades for women. So I think the fact that she gathered knowledge 
um, and used that knowledge, impressed people. It was very hard, you know, it's very hard to criticise somebody if they are, they've got the facts, they understand. And she, and it was very easy to, to misunderstand um, the conditions that women were working under. Now, she knew that women were, would be easily intimidated by employers. Um, she knew that women were victimised. So she, you know, that's why she encouraged them to stick together, to work together. Um, and she used to tell that wonderful story about the bundle of sticks, which was, you know, she was a very good storyteller. And her bundle of sticks story was that an employer can always pick off and snap basically a single twig. Um, but if there's a bundle, if you combine, if you stick together, then it's much, much harder to, to, to break that spirit. And, you know, and, and that's how a trade, that's how she sold the idea or tried to Absolutely. sell the idea. And it's a great metaphor, isn't it? And, you know, yeah, it's one that, that, you know, women from working class but would, would understand and it's 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 a, a really good visual one and it's kind of leads me on to my to my sort of next question actually um although you hadn't answered the one about would you be able to work with her but maybe we'll come oh, back I will. To that. okay well I can answer it now if you okay like. let's answer that now and then I'll go on to my next question because that did lead in quite nicely I, I think it's, it's not a question I've ever been asked before to be to be honest um <laughs> And I would like very much to say yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Because I think sometimes the, the point about her was that she was setting about to change people's lives. She was bringing to the public attention what needed to be done. Um, and that is always going to make you unpopular with some. And, and there are, you know, let's face it, you know, women in the public eye got a hard time then they get a hard time now and you can't always be the most popular person you've got to do what you think is right to do and the fact Absolutely. that she was, I, I totally made, agree. <laughs> and I think the thing that made her makes me think that I would have got on with her is how well she communicated mm -hmm. with the women she was trying to help and work with and the the message that she got through to them but it wasn't about being led it wasn't that her telling them what to do it was her her whole idea was that the union was there as a as a training ground for women to learn how to work together to improve conditions for the future so I just think you know it a huge admiration for her mm -hmm. um, and yes, I'm sure sometimes very difficult to be with, but I'm very difficult to be with sometimes as well. <laughs> I think um, we all are. <laughs> exactly. exactly. And, and I think it's so easy to criticise somebody who, you know, somebody had to get this done and she knew it was her and she knew she had the capability to do it. And she wasn't about to pass the buck to somebody else. She knew that she had talents to use um, and she went ahead and did that. And for that, mm -hmm. you know, I just think, you know, hats off to her, really amazing. And she did. I mean, she was, she, uh, you, uh, you touched on the way that she spoke to the women. 
and I should imagine sort of I tried to to imagine sort of being at at a, a rally where Mary was speaking and you know how would I how would I sort of how would I think of her and I think you know if you're a working class woman and and you've got somebody who's obviously um you know an, a, a, a more middle class person talking there, there's that idea that maybe you know you're being being preached to or being patronized sure. and I don't think I don't think Mary ever came across like that um and I think uh, I wondered if that was something to do with the fact that you know even though she was of a different class she was able to because she'd worked in in, in the shop and because she'd been brought up in Scotland I think maybe that sort of gave her an almost classless um, persona that, you know, the girls did listen to her because she had that sort of forthright, honest Scottishness. And, and it kind of transcended the fact that maybe she was slightly different, you know, in a different class from them. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I, I agree. With and, she, and she was able to she was able to sort of tap into to. The, the like the, the the emotional side of it as well um you know and she could she could emote and, and and but tell people that you know if you join a union this is what this you know it will help you um and like you say using those metaphors that you know these women and i, I actually saw you know some of the chain one of the, the chain making um places you know they, they were awful places to work in in the black country museum there was a an example of a sort of a forge and i sort of imagined these poor women working there um and obviously you know they probably wouldn't have but well, they, they wouldn't have had a much of an education they were working in these awful surroundings so you know when you've got this woman who's dressed rather nicely with nice hair sort of talking to you it, it, sometimes there may already be that barrier there and Mary just didn't seem to to be you know she, she was able to break down those barriers and the, and the women regarded her as a friend I think you know that because she taught them how you know how to work together she she didn't like you say you know lead them and do everything for them she showed them how to create that union and, and in doing so I think a lot of those women you know probably realized talents that they'd never had because they had more power and she gave them she gave them that opportunity to maybe you know come out of that and maybe go further and get involved in the union like she had done and do something worthwhile so I think she you know not only did she organize or tell show the women how to organize themselves but once they did it kind of probably gave them a much better opportunity within the workplace and led to those women you know getting more involved in the union and therefore uh, a better life so I think you know it had a knock-on effect the way that she spoke to people um I think she respected she respected mm. women you know yes. she and and you you mentioned the the barrier that may have been there mm. um when you've got a middle class woman in nice frocks standing yes. in, in <laughs> you um but I think that the fact that she took the women seriously mm -hmm. noticed the women and let's face it you know um they'd been they were pretty pretty well ignored mm -hmm. Jobs that nobody really cared about, you know, behind the scenes jobs, like you say, chain making, working in laundries, making garments, sometimes working in their own homes, um, all very hidden from the public view. And, and, and Mary took them seriously, mm -hmm. gave them respect. Um, and I think that kind of does goes a long way to break down a barrier 
Um, I think also you you mentioned her Scottishness. I think her accent may have helped. Mm, you know, there was no because uh, you know because in certainly on some levels that was a kind of um, you know they people just she apparently had a wonderful voice, mm -hmm. lovely to listen to her. But there wasn't the sense of listening to somebody you know posh if you like who you know that 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 created that that mm -hmm. extra barrier. I think somehow she just she just had it she just knew and there you know and that that was a real gift I think and I also think like obviously she had to she she was good at speaking to the women and and rallying them together and getting them to do things but I also um, there was a couple of um things that stories in the book about where she actually had to confront some of the male like um bosses and 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 male union people and she really didn't pull any punches did she with some of them you know she was more than able to to stand her ground and make some very intelligent contradictions to some very sort of important men and it didn't seem to phase her at all so she could you know she could be one minute one day she would be there you know chat, talking to these women and um you know working with them and then the next day she she'll she'll be challenging you know with a man and she she could do all of that and talk to everybody on every different level male female um you know different classes and she just seemed to be able to have that ability to as you say get things done tell the truth and and motivate people which is an amazing talent um, do you think she had any other are there any other sort of talents that you think made her a really good trade unionist um, can you think of anything else that you know that obviously it takes a it takes a lot so, you know she had a lot of different skills but um, which ones would you say that helped, helped her the most in her career? I think the the most important one was her ability to communicate mm -hmm. as, we, mm -hmm. yes, as, said. as we've said and I think uh, but I think um, as well as that um, energy to I mean energy to get things done Mm -hmm. and not until they were done um the need to draw attention to the issues that were so neglected um so she i mean she was well supported within the trade union and socialist movement so mm -hmm. she she knew she knew the right people so she'd got people you know around her behind her but i think another talent was also to draw some very good people around her so that she wasn't on her own it wasn't just the Mary MacArthur show I mean she you know she she was the you know she was her who founded the union but she made it clear from the beginning that this was something that needed to be done collectively so she had a really good team of organizers and I think and they have certainly in in Craigley Heath in the Chainmakers strike good organizers on the ground who understood even more than she did perhaps you know what was going on the lives that the women were facing um so yeah just just the whole the whole and also what i mentioned at the beginning that the talent of making sure that she was always well prepared that she didn't go into anything that might if because if you didn't have the knowledge and you went into to a negotiation with a boss and you got it wrong, you could actually end up damaging the, the women's situation and position. So um, just always careful preparation, endless drive, determination, um, and, you know, just, just yeah, fearlessness or so mm -hmm. it seemed. 
So it seemed we never really know, do we? What we don't know what was going through her mind when she no. stepped to a platform. I, 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 I can't imagine places. Mary being scared or worried about anything, but I'm sure, you know, like all of us, she was human, but she was just able to cover it and, and wear this mask of confidence, you know, even though perhaps she didn't feel confident, but I, you know, we all do that, but she, she, yes. I mean, she was a very consummate person of being able to appear confident, even if she wasn't. Um, it had to and, start somewhere, uh, didn't it? I mean, absolutely. it had to, where did she, you know, the fact that, you know, she'd, she was clearly, as we've said, you know, very, very um, charismatic mm -hmm. person, but, you know, she, she taught herself. She made sure that she, she was, you know, she knew what she was saying to, mm -hmm. to people. So she was measured as well as emotional and highly driven. It was, the, you know, she had, she had what was needed, I think, to make her such a good standout trade mm -hmm. union. So I, 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 like, I mean, we've touched, we've touched on Mary's work and obviously if people are really interested in what she did, they can go and buy the book because I, you know, we've only got like an hour to sort of discuss things. Um, so I'd like to sort of tie up this little section and then go on to talk about Mary, the wife, Mary, the mother um, and, you know, her, her sort of personal life. Um, but just to sort of tie up this section on her work and her achievements. Um, and we do have to bear in mind that, um, you know, she she uh, she only lived for 40 years. So everything she did was actually kind of almost condensed into half a lifetime rather than a lifetime. Um, and she did. She achieved so much with, with forming the unions and, and everything she did. Um, and it, it does. But it does make me wonder why. Yeah, I, I'm wondering why. Why haven't I heard of her? Why isn't there? You know, why isn't she as well known as like Florence Nightingale or, um, you know, Elizabeth Fry? Or, you know, these people who really did make changes. Um, and I, you know, I, I, I struggle to understand why she isn't quite as well known as some of these other ladies. And but she is in the Midlands. I mean, in the Midlands, everybody knows Mary MacArthur, but in London, well, you know, or, or elsewhere, I just, I just feel she ought to be better known. And I wondered, you know, what, what? Obviously, your book's going to bring her, uh, her name forward. But um, why do you think that 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 she isn't sort of such an, a national figure? I think there are three possible reasons. I think um, one is the very nature of the work that she did, um, that, you know, I've mentioned that she was championing the cause of women whose work was not valued by society, was, you know, women on, on the lowest wages, women working in the worst of conditions, um, and society wasn't interested you know I'm um, sadly society is probably not as interested even now as it should be and uh, jobs that that are being done um secondly Mary was doing her work within the trade union movement at the, at the same time as one of the most well-known periods of what I suppose we term as you know of, of women's campaigning which was of course the campaign for the vote yeah. And the campaign for the vote has dominated this period. And, you know, very important, obviously, right, you know, rightly so. Um, but it, I think well, I wonder sometimes whether it's kind of pushed aside the other things that might have been going on at that time. So, you know, we're aware of the Pankhurst and, and Fawcett. 
Um, although, in fact, Mary MacArthur's name is on the plinth. She is, and I have seen her myself and taken a photo of her before I knew her. So, you know, the, she is out there. That's that's the point. She is out there if people go and look for her. And, but, and quite rightly, yeah. you said she was involved in the in in the uh, suffrage campaigns as well. Um, and and, and so, yeah. it's you know, but not many and people I, would would know of her even through that unless they actually go and see the statue in Parliament Square. So this is this this is the statue of Millicent Fawcett. In, is, yes, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, and the and I think another reason might be that. Um, we tend to think of, perhaps there's a tendency to think of the trade union movement um, as, or its history of, of, as being male dominated. Mm -hmm. We talk, when we think about the trade union movement, perhaps we think of large numbers of men um, rather than, um, rather than, you know, the women who, for example, who Mary MacArthur was trying to draw into the, the movement and mm -hmm. and i actually don't think that trade union history has been that popular so so perhaps those are some of the reasons and i think the only you mentioned mary MacArthur being known in the midlands specifically mm -hmm. in the black country um because in 1910 she led the women chain makers in a strike which which resulted in them securing the first minimum wage um, that there had been um, to that date. Um, and so it's a kind of landmark um, strike, but it's just one strike of many strikes that Mary MacArthur was involved in, many campaigns to make conditions better for women across England, Scotland, Wales, um, and Ireland um, better. And yeah, I'd like to see much more about, about those. There is now there's a blue plaque on the house where Mary MacArthur died in 1921 in Golders Green in mm -hmm. London. And I, I am gonna go and have a look at that when uh, when I go on one of my little walks and you know uh, go and check that one out and take some pictures. <laughs> and there are, I would also say there are the most wonderful um, statues in the Mary MacArthur Memorial Park in Cradley Heath mm -hmm. of the to commemorate that strike um so but i totally agree with you mm. you know it would be lovely to to to, to see her work and, and particularly her legacy um mm -hmm. better I, I i was when i was reading the book i was also thinking her life would make a you know a, a wonderful like film you know somebody should somebody should pick up this story and make a film about mary's life um because I think it draws me on to the next thing now, her, her, her personal life. Um, I just found really sort of moving. Um, and to, maybe you could tell me a little bit more about um, her relationship with her husband. Um, because, I mean, she met him, she met him fairly early on in her career, I think, um, if I'm right. But it took a while for them. They, they were he was a he was a politician. He was an MP. Um, am I correct in that? Uh, so he was leading a very busy life, and so was she. And it seemed like their work kind of prevented them from getting together. And they seemed to have you know they they met, they knew of each other, um, but you know the the time between meeting and getting married there was quite a long period of years wasn't there before they actually sort of got oh to yeah and they were the ultimate power couple really weren't they mary and william they, they were, they were destined they were certainly destined for for, mm. for 
even greater things. Mm-hmm. Married in they they Mary Hamilton in her first biography of Mary MacArthur um, implies through letters that Will Anderson, her, her Mary's husband, first asked her to marry him in I think it was 1903 mm-hmm. um, when Mary was 20 probably 22 or 23 I mean he they were both young political activists from Scotland both finding their way both you know just just absolutely driven and apparently he asked her to marry him then and she said no (laughs) now I have no further evidence for this um but they marry in 1911 and they've clearly you know stayed in touch more than over the years and have been a great support to each other as you say both still you know very heavily involved in the socialist movement in the trade union movement um I think maybe I mean again we 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 can never know and there is that you know I do feel the responsibility of writing somebody's biography because you do never know and you can't make presumptions but I just wonder um whether she just wasn't ready and she had so much work to do of her own that she had to work out how to be Mary MacArthur before she could work out how to be Will Anderson. Anderson. Yes. <laughs> um, but when they did marry, they had, you know, they had a partnership that was often commented on by their friends. It was, you know, they supported each other in their political campaigns. As you say, he became an MP, um, a Labour MP for Sheffield. Um, and in 1918, when they were both standing um, as candidates for the Labour Party, just after the, the first election after the First World War, they were very much supporting each other's mm-hmm. campaigns. Um, Mary um, was standing near near to where the Chainmaker strike had had taken place, um, in fact, in Stourbridge, and Will was campaigning in Sheffield, and they both lost their campaigns. And Mary was apparently more upset with mm-hmm. the fact that Will had lost his than she was about her own. Um, they were very, a very close and very supportive mm-hmm. uh, couple. And I think both supported each other in their different, probably, and, you know, maybe, maybe he was there um, to, to help when things got difficult for her, when she was, um, you know, when she was frustrated by her work. It clearly was a, a, a very loving relationship. Oh, it was. I, that, I think that came across really, really well. I mean, they, they both supported one another um, in everything they did. But I, there was one there was one bit of the book, and um, I believe at one point, you know, they were living above the the trade union office, or the, they were basically living above where they worked. And you know, they had people dropping in at eleven o'clock in the evening. They, you know, if something cropped up, they would have to go and deal. With it and I was just trying to imagine you know this sort of really dynamic couple who who yeah how did I I just kind of thought you know their relationship must have been so strong because they you know they didn't have time to themselves it seemed it seemed that work was all-encompassing and I I just sort of wondered they must have just snatched those little private moments for themselves when they could in between working and I think a lot of and a lot of husbands, you know, back back in in the day, then would would you know 
would not have tolerated that if their wives were working. And I think that just makes Will, I kind of fell in love a little bit with Will because he was so ahead of his time. He and really was. He really he wanted really his was. wife to yeah. work, to be successful, and he was yeah. prepared to support yes. her. And, you know, all, all, yes. all the way, which not a lot of Victorian and Edwardian men, that, that wasn't the attitude at the time. No. And I just thought he was and, such a modern man. And I did kind and of often, you know, <laughs> like him a lot. <laughs> Often for women um, in trying to do the sorts of jobs that Mary did would make a choice mm -hmm. between staying single yeah. or, you know, and doing their work mm -hmm. or getting married. And I'm, I think I mentioned in the book about, you know, the, the kind of feelings there were when um, amongst some in the labour movement, when a woman who obviously had massive talent for her work um was you know lost to marriage i think you know was the was the feeling like yeah. oh you know and that you know so mary carried on working and she carried on working when she was a mother yes that, um, that was the bit that really i mean i was sort of reading that uh, last week and um um I, I was really sort of you know, moved about she i think that she lost they lost their first child it was the child was stillborn that's right. Um, I just couldn't, you know, I just I, I just really felt for poor Mary at that point. And, you know, and then she went on to have a to have another child, a daughter. Um, but yes, I mean, I, she worked throughout her pregnancy. And again, that was something that is I mean, nowadays we don't bat an eyelid. You know, if women choose to work right up until their due date, my, my daughter's expecting a baby at the moment and she's probably going to give up work probably four weeks before and go back, you know. And I thought, but Mary just, you know, in those days, women were confined. They were, as soon as they became pregnant and they were showing, you know, you, you kind of, you stopped work, you, you didn't, you know, you rested at home. And yet here was Mary pregnant well, rushing around doing all for this, this work this was in the middle of the first world war yes and yes of course huge uh, amount of work to be done mm -hmm. uh, and women workers needed needed the likes of mary MacArthur more than ever you know the, she, she was a shining example really wasn't she you know to all of those women and the fact that everything she did um but do you think that possibly I mean I you know I just wondered how she managed to fit it all in I thought poor Mary you know there she is mother wife having to do all this um, there needed to be more than 24 hours in a day for Mary surely um and so do yeah. you think that you know all of this pressure trying to be um you know a good mother a good wife to work hard and to 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 uh, to help all of the people that she she was working with at the time um do you think that that you know that did take a strain on her health because she did have some health problems and you know I just wondered it, it to me it had to in some way um but I I, I don't know but I don't think it affected her I mean she was a fantastic mother um from what I from what I read so I don't I, I don't think it affect I don't think her work affected her ability to be a good mother but I wondered whether all of that actually took a, a, you know a strain on on her health and she's kind of abs absorbed everything um and, and it manifested itself in her health problems would you would you agree or disagree with that again I think it's very difficult to know we never know for sure we never know for sure um and you know what what, what she died of ovarian cancer in mm. 1921 um so coming back from that, 
um, in order to how you, you asked, you know, how did she how did she cope and did it take? You know, I'm sure it did. And she must have been exhausted a lot of the time. She must have been. Mm-hmm. Um, but so but she did have a very good support around her. Some friends who uh, clearly adored her because, you know, when um, people were heartbroken when Mary MacArthur died, um, not only because she was such a loss to the Labour movement, but because it was a personal loss. Um, so she was well supported by um, colleagues around her. Um, and But she'd also endured a lot of shock over the years leading up to her death. So as you rightly say, she, they'd lost um, a baby in 1913. Um, then they had Nancy, their little girl, in 1916. And then in, and then this is in the midst of war. Um, and then it looks like after the war um, that both her, that she's going to move in a new direction, that she's been adopted as a, as a candidate by the Labour Party in Stourbridge. She's, she would, you know, is clearly like destined for maybe not to abandon the trade union movement, mm-hmm. but to expand her work into um, parliamentary politics. Um, and in 1919, um, Will Anderson died very suddenly and very tragically during... Um, the Spanish flu pandemic. Um, and it was, Mary was utterly devastated by this, utterly devastated. You know, they were a close unit. They'd got this, they'd got their little girl. Everything looked like it was going to be, you know, wonderful and exciting for them. People were talking about Will as a potential future prime minister, um, leader of the Labour Party, um, none of it was to be. And Mary's response to losing Will was to throw herself into even more work. Mm-hmm. Um, she went off to America to do a lecture tour. She took Nancy with her. She just kept working, working, working. Um, and she's working even through her diagnosis of cancer, which came in the beginning of 1920. And she has two big operations but it's clear you know um, after a while that there's not much that can be done um so we in in answer to your question i i don't i don't i don't know i mean we can never know this you know the way that mary had lived her life you could equally say that you know she was she was you know she was clearly a doer she was clearly full of energy and life um but then she faced this, this, you know, this, this illness and this tragedy and early death. Um, so I don't really know. I, I think it's be. just for me that that was that was it. You put your finger on it that they, you know, they were right at the pinnacle where there were so many good things happening, and and then with, with Will dying, I just the end of the book was just, you know, I was on this lovely roller coaster, and then all these bad things happened to her, and I just felt that it was such a tragedy I felt like she'd been Mary and Will had been robbed of that you know that golden future which they clearly had um now I I, what I want to do is sort of uh, thank you for your time Kathy it's been amazing today and I'm sure we're going to have to have you back for a second chat about uh, Mary but I I think the, the last sort of just 
before we um, just chat about the book or plug the book for you, um, my sort of last question would be, do you think had things been different? Um, do you think that she would, because uh, I could sort of see Mary, you know, becoming an MP, possibly, you know, going into politics and being, you know, amazing at it. And um, so, you know, if there was an alternative happy ending to her life, do you think that that's where she would have gone into Parliament, becoming an MP, possibly, you know, maybe she would have been the first British Prime Minister? I don't know, but I kind of see that in an alternative world. Maybe that's where well, she would have ended up. I think um, almost undoubtedly. I mean, she didn't. She didn't win a, her campaign in 1918. No, exactly. She was so popular in the local area that the local party readopted her, and she would have stood again. Mm -hmm. Her very dear friend Margaret Bonfield, who was one of the women who first discovered Mary um, within the shop assistance union. Um, went on, always worked with Mary, worked for the National Federation of Women Workers, went on to become one of the first three women um, Labour MPs um, in 1923. And then Margaret Bonfield went on to become the country's first woman cabinet minister. Mm -hmm. So Margaret Bonfield always said, you know, um, although Mary... She, she'd been the one to kind of first meet Mary when she was already a trade unionist and Mary wasn't. But she said, you know, it was clear that she was in the company of a, a born leader. So if Margaret Barnfield, who achieved all that, said that, then I have little doubt that Mary would have gone on to the, the greatest the greatest of things. But I think that's a that's kind of a negative way to end really i think you know we should really celebrate everything we should celebrate what she did exactly did and, her her life and her legacy you know first you know she she you know she she um and we need you know we need mary macarthur's today you know we, we still do and that i think that's that's but there that's are so many women with that you know we, do need, so we, we don't have we don't have women like her with there's that there has been a few but you know we could really do with mary right now there's a lot but of we women, do have lots issues and work issues which are still you know we're still having to fight and we, we don't seem to have we need that voice like mary to to rally people together again especially in in difficult times i think she would be you know she would she she, she was amazing at doing that so, but we no, do I have some agree. great, <laughs> but we do have some great women. Oh, we do, in, we do in the trade union movement, and we've mm -hmm. got some leaders within the trade union movement, and we've got a woman at the at the helm of the TUC. So all of which I think you know is part of the legacy, it, and I it think is, you know, Mary's Carthy legacy. would be delighted to see um, to see that today. So mm -hmm. yeah. Fantastic. Well, I'm, I've, I've got your copy of your book here. I'm going to hold that up. This is the book, um, Writing the Wrongs by Kathy Hunt. So if you've enjoyed the chat today, please um, go and buy that, Kathy. Um, where can readers go and buy your book? Well, it was published by um, History West Midlands and they have um, copies. They have a website, um, which I think you're going to put a link up to, um, which is where you've got yours. Um, um, so that's probably the best thing you can get in touch with me. I've got copies as well, um, but I would probably direct you first to History West Midlands to, to get your copy of the book and I hope you enjoy it. 
And there is on our Hidden Her Stories site, we do now have a link section on, uh, on, the, on the website. And if you click on um, authors and writers, Kathy is on there. Kathy's website link is on there as well. And I, if you've enjoyed the conversation today, um, please do, do go and uh, have a look at um, Kathy's website because there's some interesting videos. I think you mentioned um, Mary MacArthur's grandson. And I think there's a video on there um, of, of him talking about Mary and also one of the chain makers, um, an ancestor of the chain makers. So there's some interesting videos. There's some interesting um, audio files on there as well where you're talking about Mary. So if you have enjoyed the, enjoyed the chat today, do go and check out. Uh, your website address is kathyhunthistorian.co.uk. Is that right? Yes, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's there on Hidden Her Stories. You can follow Kathy on Twitter as well and on Facebook. Um, so, Kathy, thank you so much for talking to us <laughs> about Mary. Um, she's looking down on us now and saying thank you. I think for telling <laughs> her so. story today. Um, but she is an amazing woman. So, if you've enjoyed the chat and you want to know more about her, please go and buy the book. Um, and thank you, Kathy, for for being so uh, brave to come and join us on our first chat today. I'm sure we're going to have you back <laughs> to talk about your other books um, um, so you know it's been it's been lovely to have you uh, and thank you, thank you for much, bringing Christine. Mary's story um, to a wider audience thank you very thank much you. thank you thank, thank you. you hopefully we'll speak to you again very soon <laughs> okay. thank you bye <laughs> All right, I just need to end this. I can't find where my record thing's gone. Uh, there we go. No. Uh, I'll, I'll just edit the last thing. But um, Kathy, I'm aware of your time. I'll, I'll edit this bit out because I can't find my record. Okay. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm sure I flustered and talked over you a little bit there. I'm really sorry. First time kind of doing this, but thank you so much for your time. Oh, it's been wonderful. No, no, no problem. Really, really nice to meet you. Uh, great. I will, I will put some plugs out on Twitter that I've chatted with Thank today you. and we'll build this up and um, I'm going to be, um, Mary's my next blog post to do. So hopefully she'll be up there by next week and um, and then I shall put a link to the video and please feel free to share it oh, out. It's, and, um, it's great what I'll, you're I'll, doing. I'll it's really and we'll keep, we'll keep, hopefully you get some more sales out of this. <laughs> Thank you. Well, you're you're doing a great job. Your, your website is fabulous. It's just something I enjoy doing. You know, it's, I, I, I'm the next English teacher I really should have been a history teacher really I think I missed my I missed my subject a little bit um but uh, it's 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 something that just grew I mean I, I I started researching my family history this is how this all sort of kicked off and I became interested in the women's side of things and then I'm sort of by when I was researching my own ancestors and looking into historical context I just kept finding all these stories of women that I'd never heard of and yeah, all of a sudden there was just this little thing in my head and kept I kept thinking well you know there's all these stories and I, I you know somebody should be telling them so well it's I funny it started the website and it's sort of gone from there I've been brilliant doing that for years brilliant because um, it's funny uh, even in, even in um family history yeah women always get hidden away they do you know, they do they do every and time think, and i think part of the reason for that is because people get identified by the job they do and so people you know often yeah. it's only then who there's a record of what they did oh, or, yeah. and um and nobody knows and so they just get again hidden mm -hmm. away
yeah, the men and Wayne, so there's, there's so many incidences of that. I mean, even when I look on, I do the On This Day posts for Twitter, and it, it sort of never ceases to surprise me. You scroll down the list and there's like 200, you know, posts about men and, and there's like maybe three or four on like women, you know, and that, that, you know, that's something else that just needs to be addressed. So that, that's my little sort of, my little mission is to like put more women's posts out on Twitter because yeah, you know, there's, well, there's a lot, but there's, there's not as many as, you know, for the yeah, men. And there's so many, I've got like a notebook, I've got five notebooks now filled up with names of women that I, I just find these stories every day. And each day, you know, I can guarantee there's not a day goes by when I don't discover a story or a name. It's and, really you know, good. It's, it, it's amazing, but these books, these notebooks, like, um, it's going to take me until I'm 105, I think. Well, I just got to get it out there. <laughs> well, that's why I'm employing some, some, some guest bloggers so that I can actually give them names and say, oh, well, you've done something on this person. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Good uh, idea. Because there's far good too idea. many women for me to tackle on my own. And there's some good people out there doing it as well. So, you know, we, we all need to band together. I think, but um, Kathy, I'm going to let you go. If you yep. want to come back and do another interview, you know, later on, if you've got a new book coming out, uh, other things, please just, you know, do give me a Thank shout. Thank you. And I'm we'll plug everything you do. <laughs> Thank you. And good, luck. and good luck with what you're doing. It's brilliant. Okay, Keep that's brilliant. Well, I shall let you go, Kathy. Thank you. <laughs> and have Bye. a good afternoon. You too. Yeah. Bye, Chrissy. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Right. Oh.